Welcome to the Snapshot Testimony Podcast. I'm your host, Allie Domersant. I'm passionate about proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ through personal testimonies. In this podcast, I ask my guests to share one pivotal moment that helped shape their faith in Christ. This week, you'll meet Rachel. She was the life of the party, the funny friend, always ready to make people laugh. But her larger-than-life persona masked deep pain and insecurity that she hid from even those closest to her. In this episode, she shares what led to her gradual undoing and how, after decades of trying to make herself enough for other people, she learned how to finally rest in God's love and approval. Here's a snapshot testimony from Rachel. I had a, a bit of a bumpy childhood, you know, divorce, uh, a father kind of stepping out of the picture okay. at around age 10, which is a really formative age for a young girl. Yeah. And it just became this process of trying to find my identity and find my value and my worth. And it took me down many different paths. <laughs> um, my family were ethnically were Jewish, but my mom found Jesus before I was born so I grew up in this sort of strange world of having one foot in, in you know, one background and then another foot in the Christian faith and um, trying to find that happy medium as far as getting acceptance from the Jewish side of the family, but also having a faith in Jesus. And, and then also just candidly looking kind of awkward, <laughs> you know, being, <laughs> having some, some unique, you know, uh, physical traits that didn't necessarily align with my friends at my private Christian school who were all blonde haired, blue eyed. And here I am, yeah. you know, dark hair, prominent features. Sure. And so it just, just feeling kind of awkward, which I think every, every girl does at that age, yeah. having some weight issues. I just quickly realized that the acceptance that I was looking for was going to come through humor and through being sharp witted. And so I, very quickly fell into being the funny friend, the sharp-witted <laughs> friend, the a person who always had some sort of sharp retort, you know, okay. some sort of joke. And I thrived on that for pretty much that point on. Was it like just you You like to make people laugh or what kind of comment? Was it sarcasm? How, what, what did the humor look like? <laughs> all, all of the above, uh, you know, uh, self-deprecating humor, mm -hmm. uh, observations. I mean, there's no shortage of funny things that happen when you're in a very <laughs> strict private Christian school. Um, I was the jokester. I was always the silly one, the one that was always willing to sort of stick my neck out on the line for mm -hmm. a laugh, even if it was at my own expense. Okay. And that really became the foot that I, I put forward. The challenge was that it was exhausting because you're always looking for that next laugh. And I'd imagine people who are in the world of stand-up comedy, it's like the high is so very high when you when you really? get that immediate you know response. Yeah. But but always trying to look for that next opportunity to get some sort of validation from your peers. Mm -hmm. It just, it was just constant. And so that was, that was who I was throughout high school. And even into college, it just, I just became that person. Um, it led me into the world of hospitality, working in restaurants, becoming a bartender. 
uh, always being the person with the jokes. But I think the challenge with that was that you never, you never got the opportunity to not be on. Everybody always expected you to have to be upbeat and happy. And so, you know, this gradual breaking down process that the Lord was doing in my life, it was becoming increasingly obvious to me that I, this wasn't sustainable because I was cracking jokes and I was the funny one and I was, I was dying on the inside. Did anybody, could anybody notice? Did anyone see like what was really going on or care enough to kind of probe? You know, I, I wouldn't doubt it if there were people who, who saw it, but nobody ever did. And it, became a very isolating place to be. And I I remember having a discussion with my very best friend. And I said to her, you know, I am probably the most insecure person you'll ever meet. And that was like earth shattering for her. She thought that she thought that I just (laughs) hung the moon and that I and that I felt that way about myself. But the reality was that I was always hanging on by a thread, just waiting for that next little bit of validation. But deep down, I was terrified of letting anybody see who I really was, how sad I really was, how uh, the lack of confidence that I had, even in in the way that I looked. I knew that I could. I knew that I could keep a room laughing, but I didn't really know what else I could bring to the table besides that. Wow. Yeah. What was your, how would you have described your, your faith uh, as you were going through all this? You mentioned your mom was a, was a Christian. What did you, did you practice any sort of faith at all? You know, I knew all the, I knew all the Christianese. I knew all the talk. I, you know, I going to a, a a private school, but it was, my teacher's faith and it was my mom and dad's faith and it wasn't very personal to me and I think in hindsight I look back and I think oh if only I could have realized that Jesus was with me every single step of that process but I was so I think I was angry I was angry at the fact that you know the people who were supposed to be in my life, like my father, the person who was supposed to love me, who was supposed to kind of give me that sense of worth, didn't. And I became very hardened and very angry Mm -hmm. and very bitter. Sadly enough, I used to pride myself on the idea that I could hurt someone before they could ever hurt me. I could size them up. I could kind of know, you know, if, if they came at me, what I could say. But my faith my faith was pretty much non-existent. Mm-hmm. The Holy Spirit was always there though, because I always, and probably much like a lot of Christians who grew up in the faith, oh, I'll I'll do that later on in life. Once I get married, once I have kids, then I'll really pursue a relationship with Jesus. But it was never personal. It was never real. And it certainly didn't instill any sense of worth or value that who I was in Christ was all that really mattered. Yeah. Um, and it just became a constant pursuit of 
filling the gap in every other possible way except in the Lord. Yeah. So when did this all come to a head? When did this, your eyes start to be open? Was it gradually or was it in a moment? It was, it was a gradual breaking down process for sure. And it, it transpired over many years. Um, I, when I was a senior in college, I was bartending, I was driving to work a shift that night and got into a near fatal car accident. Um, I hit somebody head on at 55 miles an hour. And fortunately, the extent of my injuries were minor compared to the the depth of the accident. It was pretty bad. Two cars totaled. It was very bad. But it put me in a position where I had to fully depend on other people to walk, to use the bathroom, to you know, several broken bones, a lot of recovery. And I think that's when the Lord really started to soften my heart. Um, Because at that point, prior to that accident, I didn't need anybody. I was doing everything on my own. I was going to college. I was paying for it. It was sort of this badge of of honor that I wore that I didn't need anybody. The reality is I I did, but I I didn't feel that I did. And so being in a position where I was fully incapable of taking care of myself, that started the process. And then it was just one failed relationship after the next where, again, trying to seek and find my validation in other people. And it just wasn't working. And the ironic part was that throughout all of that, the only thing that I held on to as far as being a Christian was that at that time, I was still a virgin and I was saving myself for marriage. That was the only that was the only thing that I felt like others knew about me that was different. Um, or that could point towards any semblance of faith. But just after one failed relationship after the next, I just reached a point where I just was so broken. The The amount of anxiety that I had was uh, debilitating. I couldn't sleep. I couldn't eat. And at that time, um, I don't want to get emotional. At that time, the father that had stepped out of my life called and said, I'm dying. And I had to basically patch up a lifetime's worth of pain and and rejection and and all the things in about three weeks because he had pancreatic cancer. And he called the week before Thanksgiving and he died December 9th. Wow. Yeah. So all these things working, right? All these, the brokenness and then the pain And then having to address head on the very things that essentially shaped me into the person that I became. Um, I had to, I had to talk to him about it because I knew that if I didn't, that was it. And that door was going to close. And so at 26 years old, I stood there in front of him in the hospital room, like a 10 year old girl crying and saying, why didn't, why didn't you love me? Why didn't you come for me? Right. And, you know, his answers were what they were. But at that point, I think the Lord just said, are you done? Can we, can we do this now? And at that point I started looking to him, looking to the Lord for my comfort. And I remember I got down on my knees and I said, I can't do this. I can't do this anymore. Wow. And 
I very distinctly heard the Lord say, then I'll carry you. And it was a process after that. Um, There was a lot of grief that I had over the compromised testimony that I feel that I had for a very long time, purporting to be a Christian, but living my life in a way, talking in ways that were certainly not representative of Christ. And, but at that point, I stopped being on. I just, I just turned off Mm. and I had so many friends that just kind of disappeared because I wasn't the good time Charlie anymore. I wasn't the girl going out, partying every night with them, drinking, telling the jokes. And my life got very quiet and it was weird. (laughs) It was very strange for me to go from having to be a part of everything all the time to being okay, just being still and being quiet. And that's, that's when the Lord really started to work on my heart. Um, I went back to church and for the first time in my life, I craved, I craved his word. I craved the Bible. I couldn't get enough of it. I just, I just immersed myself in it. And I, I knew that the Lord forgave me for the compromised testimony that I think I had for a very long time. Mm -hmm. But I also knew that this became a part of my testimony. Yeah. And um, so it became a gradual process over time. And then, you know, just getting older at that point, then I met my husband Uh, when I wasn't seeking the validation of a man. That's when the Lord brought a man to me Um, (laughs) after I had my daughter, a whole new world of, faith even opened up after that. It gave me some deeper perspective on how the Lord feels about me. So as the Lord started to like peel back all the layers that you had kind of put on for people, was it strange discovering like your, your, who you really were, like your true personality after so many years of like kind of putting on for people? Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was, and it was, it was scary. It was scary yeah. because I felt very vulnerable and very naked sure. and afraid that what people might see wouldn't be enough for them mm-hmm. because I wasn't, and don't get me wrong, I'm very silly and I crack jokes, <laughs> but but it, it was never, it, it, it became not for the purpose of trying to make them think that I was worth it, worth it yeah. enough to want to be around. And what I did discover was that I'm a, I'm a crier. I am so sensitive. And those were all the things that those are all the things that I really tried to suppress and push down because I felt I had to just toughen up and, and it, but it's given me the ability to have more authentic relationships. And, you know, one of the things that I learned after my father passed away was that perception is not reality. I perceived, I perceived that this man didn't love me, didn't care. And after he passed away, we were going through all of his personal effects and stuff. And I was finding notes and cards that I had written to him when I was four that he carried with him his whole life, pictures of us in his wallet. And I realized that all that anger that was sustaining me, that I was thriving off of all those years was not even 
it wasn't even real. It wasn't even accurate. Going from a place of being completely fake and, and just sort of painting the picture that I wanted people to see to being a person that is just raw and real, it just swung the doors wide open to some really intimate and deep relationships with people that I just don't ever think would have been possible if they were just getting the Rachel of, of the early twenties, that was just all about the laughs. And yeah, I would tell you what I wanted you to know about me. And that was it. And that was as far as you were going to get. Wow. What an incredible testimony. <laughs> I mean, Oh my goodness. I'm so blessed by it. One of my, my favorite things about doing this podcast is that there's so many different stories that I can see part of my own story in in like surprising little ways. And so it's like, there's parts of your story that I can so relate to, you know? And I just, I find that often that like, like you were just saying, sometimes we think that we're the only one with X, Y, or Z. And then you're like, oh wait, <laughs> like maybe that's not so uncommon. Snapshot Testimony is a Moody Radio podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, I'd love for you to leave a comment or review. Your feedback helps others searching for a podcast. Trust that this is one worth checking out. Thanks for your support. I'm your host, Allie Domerson, and together we're sharing the moments that shape a life of faith in Christ. Thanks for listening.